Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another edition of The Way I Taught It. On the road. I'm currently sitting in Green Bay, Wisconsin, after purchasing my first aircraft. And I'm waiting for the weather to clear, and I figured it would be a good time to do a podcast and discuss the process I went through in purchasing my aircraft. We're not going to have all the bells and whistles that we normally have on the other podcasts with introductions and music and all that great stuff. We're just going to jump into it. It's uh, on the road, uh, the way I taught it, and here we go. How to buy an aircraft my way. So I want to cover why I didn't purchase an aircraft previously in my 31 years of aviation uh, employment. I swore I would never buy an airplane for personal use or pleasure flying because I always saw it as a money pit. I always saw it as uh, something that was going to generate horror stories of uh, expensive maintenance costs. I didn't feel I was ever in a financial position to purchase an airplane for personal or pleasure flying. And I pretty much get got enough flying between my Air Force career, flying with my clients, as well as flying with applicants on exams. And the other piece of the puzzle was hangar space in my part of the country is very limited right now. And so any aircraft that I purchased, I wanted to keep in a hangar. And if I didn't have a hangar, I wasn't going to purchase an airplane. So we're not going to go into the hangar discussion. Uh, I did find a hangar, actually a corner of a hangar, uh, that I'm going to uh, put my aircraft in until I can get uh, my own personal hangar. Uh, so that's a different story for another time, and we, we'll talk about that another time. But basically, the aviation community came together to, to help me out on that one. So let's talk about the search for an airplane. The search for this airplane took about nine months. I decided to pursue the purchase as a business endeavor for Vapor Global Aviation and specifically for a spin upset prevention recovery training course that I'm putting together uh, for my clients and for future clients. I started surfing the web, all the known for sale sites, and I was looking at everything from uh, Piper Cub all all the way through uh, extra 300 uh, right off the production line. So I was all over the place, all different price ranges, and really had to get focused on this. You really have to choose a mission and a need for your airplane. So my mission was spin upset prevention recovery training. So I needed an aerobatic aircraft. Once you determine that, it really cuts down on unnecessary search requirements. It cuts down on the distracting shiny airplanes that are not within your mission set uh, and that would actually be detrimental to this purchase as opposed to beneficial to the business. So I developed a budget based on the money I had saved uh, throughout my life, uh, cashing out some retirement investments and deciding that it was time to move forward in expanding my business that I started three years ago. So through all of that, my budget came out to about $90,000. Now, we have to remember, that's not $90,000 for an airplane. That's a $90,000 budget for an airplane and all the things that go into that airplane to start a spin upset prevention recovery training course. So I calculated all the costs, insurance, hangar, fuel, business plan, startup costs, parachutes, 100-hour inspections, annual inspections, pre-buy inspection, travel to pick up the aircraft once I found one 
and I decided that I was going to buy it. I also included a plan for a catastrophic purchase, or that's what I call it, a catastrophic purchase. What would happen if I purchased a plane and the nightmare scenario occurred? The biggest thing on the plane is going to be the engine. So what if I needed a new engine five hours after I got home uh, and I had to replace the engine on it, right? Nightmare scenario. So I did the research on engines and the type of engines I was looking at. And so I set aside 33% of my budget for the catastrophic purchase. So that brought me down to about $60,000 to purchase an aircraft to include the shoots and travel expenses to go get the airplane as well as the pre-buy inspection. So after about three months of searching on the internet and all the different things I can purchase and what fell in my budget, I basically settled on purchasing a Citabria of some type. Still wasn't sure exactly what model, what engine, what year, but I knew that a Citabria with Citabrias were selling for about forty to sixty-five thousand dollars. Some of the high-end ones were seventy, seventy-five thousand. So I knew that was kind of in the budget, and I was willing to wait uh, to save more money, maybe into the spring of twenty twenty-three, uh, to bump up my budget a little bit if I had to. So I needed something around fifty k uh, for the purchase of the airplane by itself. This narrowed my search significantly and it also slowed my search down significantly because not every airplane fit that was coming up for sale. So of course on the for sale websites, I went and set in all of my search criteria and my notification criteria. And so I would get emails every once in a while that says, hey, this airplane might be what you're looking for. After about three months of going back and forth, am I doing the right thing? And do I really wanna buy an airplane and I can't find anything on the market? Um, I found a viable candidate and this is the candidate that I was uh, looking at now that I purchased uh, yesterday. I looked at about four or five other airplanes that were out of my budget uh, because I was willing to look into getting a loan. I was willing to save another six or nine months before purchasing an airplane and so I kind of had an idea of what I was looking for, what I didn't want, and what to expect for an aircraft around the $50,000 mark. So once I found the viable candidate, um, it was outside of my price range. It was outside of my budget. And I put the notifications in and I was like, okay, notify me if the price drops. A few weeks later, the price did drop and the price dropped enough that it was within the margin of error for my budget and I believed I could negotiate it down uh, based on the pre-buy. So once I had that um, proper purchase price or proper advertised price, I began my research. So before I even contacted the seller, I began my research. The first thing I did is I went to the FAA website and you re can request all the information that they have about an airplane with just an end number and a $10 purchase. So I got all that information mailed to me within 48 hours. Actually, I think it took uh, t less than that, 24. They'll, t they'll tell you about if there's any liens, what modifications have been made to the aircraft, uh, what uh, possible incidents or accidents have happened to the aircraft. And that takes me to the aviation safety database. You can go over there 
put the end number in there and look for any incidents or accidents that the aircraft has had. This airplane had two incidents, both prop strikes, uh, both times motors were, the motor was tore down, put back together again uh, with no damage found or uh, no need for replacement found. So um, I also typed it in the end number into Google. I found pictures uh, from four years ago so I could compare the pictures from four years ago to the current state of the aircraft and see what has changed, if anything. And that helped out significantly uh, because uh, the one thing that did happen was uh, the wings were recovered uh, and while they were being recovered, they were inspected with the fabric off of the wings. Remember, this is Satabria, so it's uh, wood and fabric. Uh, and uh, I could tell that the wings had been redone, and I could do some research on that. I also found through that Google, um, that Google search via the end number, I found a um, basically a, a discussion thread on that specific tail number. And that was very enlightening because I got even more information on who owned the airplane. So it was owned by an individual owner who had it as part of a flying club for 40 years. So the, the, there's only two other owners uh, and only one owner actually flew the airplane. So for 40 years, it was part of a flying club. It was kept in pristine condition, uh, condition no aerobatics. And on the second prop strike that it had, so pristine, I'm using that kind of in air quotes, but um, it did have a second prop strike. And that's when they decided that it was no, no longer financially feasible to maintain the aircraft with the costs associated with a prop strike and an engine teardown and, and all those things. So they decided to put it up for sale and an A&P decided to purchase it because he wanted to fly uh, with, I, could, I, don't, I couldn't figure it out whether it was his father or his grandfather also owned a Satabria, and he wanted to fly with them in his own Satabria while they flied in theirs and, and do the, the out and backs to breakfast and the $100 hamburgers and the fly-ins and all that stuff. So he purchased it, and he began uh, basically from the ground up um, rejuvenating the airplane. So he did the wings, he recovered the wings, he did all the ADs that were required for the wings. He inspected everything, he upgraded uh, uh, some components of the wings. I'm not gonna go into details on that, but he upgraded components of the wings. Uh, he did everything by the book, he filed uh, all the paperwork that was required, he logged everything in the logbooks, and uh, basically brought this airplane from 1972 uh, up into uh, about the you know 2019 2020 uh, era, uh, he redid the entire panel. He put new uh, instruments in it. He put a, an entire stack of Garmin electronics in it. So uh, put a great intercom system in it. Put an ELT in it. So a lot of good stuff uh, that he did as an AMP. Unfortunately, there was a tragedy in his family and his plan to be able to fly uh, his airplane with his father slash grandfather's airplane uh, didn't come to fruition uh, because they had passed away. And so he wanted to get his now his father's grandfather's airplane and keep that in the family. And he decided to put this up for sale, which uh, it went through a, a another owner, a temporary owner. It was a transition. 
uh, owner, kind of a broker, uh, the way it worked out. And, and I won't go into too much detail with that, but it, it was a transitory owner and they only put about five to 10 hours on the airplane. Uh, they just were really buying it from him uh, to turn it, flip it into uh, another another sale. So I found the airplane. I had done all this research. I did a title search. I found that there was a lien against the airplane that had to be cleared before purchase. I informed the owner and I said, hey, you've got to get this cleared up. And they didn't know about it. So they went and took care of that. I educated myself on all the ADs that were required. Remember, if you're a pilot and you're not an AMP, don't rely on your own understanding as a pilot when it comes to airworthiness directives and um, service bulletins. Tap into your network. You know, I got to thank Doug, Tony, Dan, uh, all the other folks that I, I bothered on the phone and via email uh, that are all AMPs and IAs to go. Oh, and Dirk. Dirk did the pre-buy inspection and, and bothered them uh, to the point of uh, exasperation. Uh, to get and make sure I knew I was making the right purchase uh, at this at this juncture, and I asked all the right questions, and I understood what the demands of the ADs were. I requested a copy of the logbooks. I did a logbook uh, review. I went page by page by page in the logbooks. We found some issues with the logbooks and some of the work that had been done, so we had to get that corrected. And then I negotiated a starting price prior to the pre-buy, and scheduled the pre-buy. So I negotiated the price down with all the things I had been finding. And then I said, hey, I'll pay this price only if the airplane comes out of the pre-buy without any other concerns. So the, it came out of the pre-buy with a few other concerns and we negotiated those concerns uh, down a little bit further. And now I was in my budget. Now that I was in my budget, I had to decide, you know, do I pull the trigger on this airplane? So it took about a week to get through the pre-buy. It took a week to get through all the all the concerns that came out of the pre-buy. Uh, I had a great discussion with the IA who did the pre-buy, Dirk. I can't thank him enough. Um, paid for the pre-buy, cost uh, about a thousand bucks, and all the concerns were addressed by the seller. Renegotiated seller price, and it got into my budget. So at that point, I had to clear my calendar, and I had uh, two other requests before I could purchase the airplane, uh, con I guess contingencies, if you will. So I didn't commit to purchasing the airplane until I did a test flight. Don't buy an airplane unless you've done a test flight. I would never buy an airplane unless I test flew it myself. If you're concerned about test flying the airplane, hire somebody that is able to do that for you. Uh, so I cleared my calendar for about two weeks. Uh, everything off my calendar because I had to get the weather right. I had to get the timing right with the seller. I had to be able to fly up there almost last minute. I bought my plane tickets about three or four days uh, ahead of time. So that cost me about a thousand bucks for plane tickets. So make sure that's in your budget. And uh, we found a weather window and a scheduling window, calendar window that worked for everybody involved. And so I flew up here to Green Bay and, uh, went over the day I arrived, uh, went out and uh, inspected the airplane myself uh, as a pilot and looked at everything, did a very close review pre-flight um, and look at the airplane from a pilot perspective and any concerns I could come up with. And then we went and flew uh, with the owner 
and we went and we did a couple traffic patterns, uh, made sure that the airplane performed properly in the pattern, the trim was right, approaches were stabled, uh, stable, the airplane flew uh, straight, uh, proper, it wasn't bent or, or trying to crab or, or uh, have any kind of oscillations because uh, flight controls were not rigged properly or loose. Uh, and we did a couple of landings and uh, the seller wanted to make sure I was okay. I already had my insurance started for the airplane on the day that I arrived uh, at the specified place to purchase the airplane and also to test fly it. And you're going to want to do that as well. Don't worry if you don't buy the airplane, they will refund um, 11 of the 12 months of that, uh, of that premium. And I did that so that I could fly the airplane without the owner worrying about, you know, what happens if something uh, went wrong while I flew it. So we test flew it. And then I kicked the owner out and I said, hey, I'm going to go fly uh, aerobatics um, and ensure that the plane uh, flew true and to the performance expectations and that all the dials and gauges and readings uh, worked correctly and within the limita- the operating limitations of the Satabria for the engine that was on there. Uh, I did have to trek along a parachute with me uh, through TSA. I had to call ahead to make sure that I could bring a parachute through TSA and it wasn't going to, you know, land me in jail or, or get or get, get me kicked off the airplane. Uh, so got the parachute in the airplane, went, flew, and did the uh, uh, aerobatics uh, and made sure that everything worked correctly, all the temperatures were in the proper range, the oil pressure was in the proper range, uh, climb performance was as expected, uh, engine performance was as expected, and uh, all things checked out well. So after the test flight, I landed, I shut down, and I re-inspected the airplane again after flying the aerobatics, I wanted to make sure there was no torn fabric, none of the um, none of the inspection hole covers were gone. I wanted to make sure that there was no oil leaking, no fuel leaking, no uh, visible damage to any of the structures of the airplane. So I basically did another complete and thorough pre-flight after I did that. And then uh, once I did that, I walked over to the current owner. Uh, shook hands, said I'd buy the airplane. We went, had lunch, accomplished the paperwork at lunch. And now here I sit in my hotel room uh, putting out a podcast uh, for you guys to listen to on my uh, aircraft purchase experience, waiting for the weather to clear. It looks like it'll be another 24 hours before I can uh, head home to Memphis. Uh, But I do now own an aircraft. It is a uh, 1972 Citabria 7 ECA. It is a beautiful white and orange color. And uh, I'm going to look forward to getting that into the stable, uh, getting it uh, squared away uh, for spin upset prevention recovery training uh, in the near future with Vapor Global Aviation. And uh, hopefully some of you listening out there may garner some knowledge from this. If you are in the middle of purchasing your own airplane or if you plan to ever purchase your own airplane, uh, it's it's a long process if you do it right. And when you do it right, it makes it a lot easier to pull that trigger and write that check uh, for the airplane uh, so that you know you got a solid airplane and uh, you're taking something home uh, that's safe and reliable and is going to give you uh, years of uh, enjoyment and hopefully uh, revenue to the point of profit. My name is Pete Redden. This is the way I taught it on the road in Green Bay, Wisconsin. We'll see you.